COVID, it's still very much a thing that's going on. T.I. is saying you can have whatever you like if whatever you like means Joe Biden. And people's impressions of election night reporters are hilariously accurate. The date, November 5th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey, everyone, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Safford. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, how are we doing today? Are we still, you know, drowning in cookie dough? What's the food situation <laughs> looking like? Well, I've, I've now been, I rolled up the cookie dough and like, and now I just slice off a piece at a time when I want it. Sometimes I bake it. Sometimes I don't. Depends on my mood. <laughs> I love that. Do you know, it's a fun fact about me and cookie dough is that when I was a child, I told myself that the real moment I'm an adult is when I can keep cookie dough in my house and eat it raw and no one yells at me because my parents <laughs> would yell at me all the time. So you in my head are the real adult, Casey. You are a true I'm adult. I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, how, but how have you been doing with everything? I mean, every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, nothing new. Can we fast forward to nighttime? I think same, exact same. My dreams have also become very lucid and I never know what is real and what is not until I have coffee. So if you talk to me before like 8 a.m., I, I think I'm still dreaming. And then I wake up, I'm like, no, this is really the nightmare that we are in. It's called the 2020 <laughs> election cycle. But I think without all that, I think we've all had a good primer to know that this was going to be a long run this last week and we won't know things until we know them and that we should just take our time and breathe as we go and not freak out. So as long as you have that in mind, I think we can all stay stay pretty good. All right, Casey. So as you know, we're recording this at 2 p.m. Eastern. And the thing about this election is by the time this posts, we could have a new president or absolutely nothing may have changed. If something happens, we'll try to get you guys an update as soon as possible. Ooh, and we'll be waiting for it. <laughs> okay. It's time for today's top stories. Zach, what have you got for us? All right. I know we are bogged down in election coverage, but we can't forget that COVID is still rampant in the United States. Coronavirus record set in the U.S. for the first time since the start of the pandemic. The country saw 100,000 new infections in a single day. That brings the total to more than 9.4 million cases and more than 233,000 deaths. That number, 100,000 cases per day, is the highest single-day total we've had since the start of the pandemic. It also means some hospitals are getting overwhelmed again and beds are in short supply. Here are some of the numbers from Wisconsin. 84% of hospital beds are already in use. Nearly 90% of ICU beds um, are... Wisconsin's hospitals going to be able to handle this? And what about frontline workers? Well, absolutely. That's our biggest concern. And while you know a responsible president will look at this sort of situation and say, we're going to do everything we can do to assist the people of the state of Wisconsin. And even if he were to politicize it, looking at Wisconsin like a swing state, he should be coming in and do everything that he possibly could. So please remember to mask up if you have to go out, wash your hands and stay in your bubbles. Another thing lost in the election madness, the U.S. has officially left the Paris Accord. Here's a quick refresher on the agreement. That global pact was created five years ago to avert the threat of catastrophic climate change. Nearly 189 countries are still a part of the 2015 Paris Accord, which requires countries to set their own voluntary targets for reducing greenhouse gases such as carbon dioxide. We are the only country that's left the deal since its inception, and leaving it was a big part of Trump's environmental policy to reduce regulations and bolster the oil and gas industries. Joe Biden tweeted on Wednesday, quote, 
Today, the Trump administration officially left the Paris Climate Agreement, and in exactly 77 days, a Biden administration will rejoin it. Should he win, part of Biden's climate change policy includes investing $2 trillion in green infrastructure. That infrastructure includes the transportation and auto industries, housing and construction practices, and climate justice. As of this recording, Biden has flipped Michigan and Wisconsin to get 253 electoral votes. There's still no confirmed winner, but there's been plenty of legal shenanigans going on in the swing states. Here's Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf explaining what's happening. This afternoon, the Trump campaign filed a lawsuit to stop the counting of ballots in Pennsylvania. That is simply wrong. It goes against the most basic principles of our democracy. It takes away the right of every American citizen to cast their vote and to choose our leaders. Our election officials at the state and local level should be free to do their jobs without fear, without intimidation, without attacks. These attempts to subvert, subvert the democratic process are simply disgraceful. We're going to fight every single attempt to disenfranchise voters. The Trump campaign has also filed lawsuits in Michigan and Georgia. In both cases, they tried to stop counting ballots and were demanding better access for campaign observers at ballots processing locations. Both of those suits have failed, but it didn't stop Trump supporters from gathering in Michigan with one goal in mind. The Trump campaign has also requested a recount in Wisconsin, which Biden nabbed by just over 20,000 votes. Casey, so are you clear on where Trump's messaging is? Is it recount the vote or stop the vote? Which one <laughs> is it? It's all of them. He doesn't know. Overall, it, maybe it's that he doesn't know how to count and he's just trying to confuse us all. Um it's, it's really unfortunate to you because, you know, he's trying to go around and say, like, count all the legal votes. And if you count the legal votes, I'll win. But if you count the legal votes, then I won't win, which is obviously like he's he's lying. He's lying. Lying. And we can say that as journalists practicing journalism. Yes. He is lying. And as people keep texting me his tweets and they're like, what does this mean? I'm like, oh, he's just lying. That's all you can do. Like all it is. And we're and we're not we're not being biased. Like we have to look at facts here and he's not looking at facts. He has a tendency not to. We all know that. We sure know that we have four <laughs> years of practice now. So we were really well, well suited to know that. All right. So, Casey, what do you have going on for us in the pop culture world? Okay, I apologize in advance. This next story is about to get a T.I. song from 2008 stuck in your head for the rest of the day. So you remember the song, Whatever You Like. There's a well-known lyric in there, I want your body, need your body. Well, we're going to play it for you, and this time, listen for the words Joe Biden instead of your body. You can get it, my dear, $5 million home drop it, as I swear. Yeah, I want your body, need your body, long as you got Twitter user R underscore K initially made the observation, but this went viral on TikTok after it was posted by Nicole Martin. And in case you're wondering how T.I. really feels about Joe Biden, listen to this message he had for Donald Trump back in 2016. Donald Trump, this message is for you. My name is Clifford T.I.P. Harris. I say this as non-violently but unapologetically as possible. you and what you stand for. Nobody who support me will support you. End the message. 
So yeah, T.I. probably really does think we all want Joe Biden. Need Joe Biden. <laughs> it is just amazing that this content was resurfacing and under new context sounds like that because I had to go back and Google the lyrics and it is yes. Yo Body. Like that yeah. was what was published in 2008 by T.I. Like I I was confused. And what makes this even more of like a chef's kiss moment is that T.I. is from Atlanta and Atlanta right now could define the future of this presidency depending on what Georgia looks like at the end. So it just, this is operating on every level for me. Yeah, you know what? I love misheard lyrics. And I'm just glad we can add another one to the cycle, you know? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> All right, moving on. We've got some TikTok, Ariana Grande, and COVID drama that I'm going to break down. As we all know, it's been a week for Ariana. Her song Positions was the first ever song to debut atop both Billboard global charts. She was the number one artist on Spotify with more than 39 million streams. And now she's taking down TikTok's biggest influencers. And they can't even defend themselves. The drama started when Ariana called out influencers Dixie D'Amelio and Noah Beck in an interview for partying and going on trips, all for the gram. Couldn't we have just stayed at home for a few more weeks, like all the other countries that were fine and are better than we are? Like, did we really all need to go to Saddle Ranch that badly that, like, we couldn't have waited for the deathly pandemic to pass? Like, we all really needed to put on our cowgirl boots and ride a mechanical bull that bad. It is so. We all did that Instagram post that badly. So, to be clear, she's talking about Dixie and Noah, who, you know, were out in a time when, again, we probably shouldn't be out. And she just held no punches. So, the TikTok paparazzi, because yes, that is a real thing, caught up with Dixie to get her take. And her response is um, this. One last question. Um, oh, yeah. Ariana Grande uh, threw shade at uh, TikTokers that go to Sada Ranch. She said, you guys should probably wait till the pandemic is over. What do you, what do you have to say yeah, to that? I saw that. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what to think. I mean, she's right. She's right. Yeah. But she's a queen. Love her. But Would you ever collab with her? I'd love to. Okay. All right, Dixie. Have a great, have a great day. Bye. Ariana for president. Y'all want to talk about bringing America together? Elect Ariana Grande. She's over here converting people, <laughs> changing minds, making people be ap- apologetic about their choices. I live for our queen of positions. I also, I like love and hate Dixie's response because it's like, yeah, she had no excuse. So it's kind of like, it's like, uh, yeah, she's right. And then that kind of makes it worse because it's like, she knew it was wrong when she did it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know? Yep. She's like, oh, you caught me. So oops. But she's like, you know, she's like, yeah, sorry, but. Yeah, would love to collab. Hit me up. That final part. Like, girl, Ariana Grande is not collabing with you now. <laughs> this is not how this works. Uh, but, you know, accountability is a practice, and Dixie is learning it in real time, I guess. With TikTok, did you say TikTok paparazzi? That's a thing? You know, I never want to throw shade at any TikTokers in terms of like, their popularity because they are TikTok is a new place. So it's like they are going to have paparazzi following them because they are celebrities in their own right. So, uh, yeah, but that's where we are. (laughs) I love this. I just don't know how that economy or that practice works in a pandemic. Like paparazzi are running up on you in your face. I'd be like, can you six feet, please? (laughs) (laughs) Very accurate. (laughs) All right. When we come back, we've got Sachi Cole talking about the lack of backlash against Trump. Stay right there. it we're tired of hearing new year new you fat burning secrets and lose weight fast the only thing you need to lose is self-doubt 
The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking In, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Welcome back. At the time we're taping this, we still don't have a winner in this election. It looks like Joe Biden may squeak out a win, but I think a lot of Americans, including us, are struggling with the painful fact that this is a close race, given all the horrible things that have happened in the past four years. We're joined by BuzzFeed News' Sachi Cole, who wrote about this disconnect in a piece titled The Backlash Against Trump Never Came. Good afternoon, Sachi. Hello, friends. Welcome to hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's so lovely here in hell with you, Sachi. Mm. It's, I mean, the humidity is great for my skin, so I'm not complaining too much, but <laughs> it could be better. So in this amazing article, you're talking about how this year's election was supposed to be a referendum on policies that were morally reprehensible. Things like caging children at the border, letting hundreds of thousands of people die of COVID and trying to implement a ban on Muslims. You're saying this election results show that America is mostly OK with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I think for a lot of progressives, they would have hoped that this election would have been a kind of repudiation of the last few years, that even people who had voted for Trump in 2016 would have realized, OK, we've made a huge mistake. They would get it. And that's just really not what happened. So even if he does lose this election, which it does increasingly seem like he will lose it, he still got more popular votes this time than he did in his first election. So if all things were the same, if it was the same number of voters, we don't know really what this would have looked like. But part of this is tilting because of voter turnout. But ultimately, he didn't turn enough people. There's still, I think the last time I checked, it was 67.8 million people still voted for him, which must mean you're okay with the things he's done in the last four years. 
Yeah, they voted for him, and they also voted for his friend Lindsey Graham down in South Carolina, who you describe in the piece as, quote, a Republican critic of Trump before his backbone melted inside his own body. <laughs> he held on to his uh, Senate seat despite his challenger, Jamie Harrison, raising the most money ever for a Senate candidate. So is this something we can blame on the Democrats doing something wrong, or is this 100 percent the hidden ugly truth about America these days? Well, why not both? You know, I think like clearly, clearly there's something going on in the Democratic Party that it's not inspiring enough to get enough people out there, which is kind of surprising because I like Jamie Harris and I can kind of understand like I get the energy around him. But so with that race, I don't totally understand what happened. But I I also I'm like, well, why not two things? And you're not going to subvert the last four years in one election, unfortunately, because the last four years are representative of this country's entire history. So it's not going to happen in one election, despite what you or I might think would be reasonable. That's just not the reality. It feels like a big point of Biden's campaign was to bring the country together, work across the aisle and sing Kumbaya. But should we even be doing that when half the country is totally fine with some of these crazy policies like separating kids from their parents at the border? I don't know, Casey. I mean, like, how many racists do you want to be friends with in your lifetime? That's like a choice that you have to make. And it's between you and your God. I personally have had neighbors who are racist and I just don't invite them over for dinner. So I don't know what everybody's expecting. I don't think that the Republicans have been like, yeah, let's work with the Democrats. Let's find some middle ground. Like, this doesn't seem like a policy that they're really abiding by. I don't know what the hell that means. And I don't know how you work with people who fundamentally disagree with human rights. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I think we've been seeing a lot of people like, you know, those dumb Instagram things that are saying like, why can't we all just be friends? And then you see the other people coming out and being like, hey, I don't want to be friends with you because of those policies that you think are OK. So it really is like you're saying you we're going to hear a lot of that. Like, let's just be friends coming from Republicans if they, you know, lose. So and it's like, how are we going to come back with that? You know, I mean, I don't I actually don't know if the Republicans are going to say, like, let's be friends. Should they should mm. they lose the White House? I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to say we're going to fight this president for the next four years, as they mm. did with Obama for eight. I don't think they're going to do that. I think for some reason, the Democrats think they have to be nice. Why? Nice to who? For what? Like, for what <laughs> benefit? I don't get it. So I don't actually think like I think no matter what happens, I think the Republicans will continue to be hostile to swaths of the country, including trans people and queer people and black people and brown people. I don't think that will change just because they don't have the White House. And it's also looking kind of likely that they would retain the Senate. So that also sort of changes our understanding of their power for the next few years. Mm, So the TLDR Democrats create some boundaries. Don't be friends with people that hate you. It's kind of what my therapist tells me every week. I was in like the seventh grade and a girl punched me and my dad was like, why don't you hit her back? I'm like, oh, good point. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying people should be violent, but maybe (laughs) figure some stuff out. Uh, So, Sashi, this is something I really want to bring up with you because I know you're reporting. You talk to a lot of young people and a lot of the calculus lately has been that, you know, with young Americans, millennials, Gen Z, they all will be liberals and all this racism will go away. But is it possible that the last four years of Trump have actually created a young Gen Z that loves a Trump and loves a conservative base? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do a lot of reporting around TikTok and the the young conservatives on TikTok think Trump is funny. And that alone was enough to sort of pull them into that space and get them to know more about him and know more about his policies and radicalize them in a different way. I mean, if you look at the breakdown of young voters for Biden versus Trump, young white men voted for Trump in very high numbers. So there will be no argument of like, we just need to wait for like the boomers to die off. Not quite. Like, this is going to be a a long, generations-long problem. And so it'll continue into this administration and onwards from there. Yeah, I think we need to stop, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the young will save us. And it's like, oh, well, no, it's still going to, they're still going to decide where they fall on this line. Yeah, I mean, in theory, you know, like, I'm a millennial and my generation was supposed to fix climate change. What did we do? (laughs) nothing. I'm very warm. Like we didn't do anything. It just didn't happen. Like to sort of attach your hopes to a nebulous generation of people who are just currently just trying to stay alive. I don't know. I don't think that's really going to happen. I think like it creates this environment where we cede responsibility, our own responsibility. We say, okay, like this 18 year old is going to fix it. Well, we can do something right now. I mean, I'm not dead. I'm 29. Like, it's not like the end of my life that I need to pass on the baton of this responsibility to a teenager. We can both do it, but to hope that Gen Z is over, over, overwhelmingly progressive, I just don't know if that's true. And of course, we need to talk about white women. According to exit polls, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt, they still voted Trump. 55% of them, which is higher than the last go around, After seeing everything he's done, why are they still voting for him? Well, I think internalized misogyny is an incredible drug. I mean, I don't get it, but I think there's a confluence of factors there. And I think there's uh, there's gender, there's race, there's class, there's family dynamic, there's societal expectations. I don't understand it because I think Trump has made it clear in the four years that he and before that, even in his campaign, he's made it clear how he feels about women. So I don't totally understand it, but yeah, they did not come through. We lectured them for four years and they still did the same thing pretty much. We called them Karens and they got upset about being called Karens and didn't show up. Yeah, well, apparently they didn't want to do anything to no longer be called a Karen. They just wanted to complain about it. So congratulations, you're getting it for four more years. But I mean, exit polling is flawed. Like we don't really know for sure yet, but it does seem like, you know, it just didn't matter. Sometimes your hatred for somebody else is more valuable to a voter than your self-preservation. And I think that's what happened here. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, Sachi, before we let you go, we have to know, is there any reason to be hopeful right now? You know, we saw an increase in voter turnout despite gerrymandering and COVID and restrictive voter registration laws. But is there any hope you're gaining right now? I don't know. Can you go outside and hug your mom? Because I can't. I I haven't seen her in forever. Yeah, like not currently. I mean, like the margins for this victory will still be very thin. Like it's not a landslide. It's not a blue crush. It's not a repudiation of Trump. It is merely, I think, the population of this country being tired and are kind of like, I'm just sick of this shit and I don't want to deal with it anymore. And I'm cool with this other guy who's like, I guess he sort of subscribes to certain values I have and he's been in politics for a while and I know his name and like, 
So, I mean, no, I mean, like it's the country is still in incredible chaos. I mean, there's going to be so much cleaning up to do in the next little while and we still can't go outside and winter is coming. So, you know, nobody ever asks me that question because they always know that the answer is no, I have no optimism because I just like lack that um, enzyme. It sounds nice. Um, So if any of you guys can bottle it for me, I would love to drink some, but not really. I mean, it's like a weird, dark time. I mean, I'm happy voter turnout happened. But part of the struggle with feeling hopeful about this stuff is that foundationally, all of the good things that came during this election came because of four years of chaos. So people needed to be tortured for four years for this kind of voter turnout, because otherwise complacency was sort of the name of the game. Well, as always, Sachi, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Okay, one more thing. Now that everyone has become enamored with John King, Steve Karnacki, and everyone else who's contributed to Election Day map coverage, we're getting some amazing impressions of the newscasters and commentary on their prowess. So before we listen to this, just picture Google Maps on a big screen and let the sound of this new mapping expert for Ohio take it away. Ohio's important. Everyone knows Ohio's important. You're going to go down here in the valley between Columbus and Pittsburgh. And then you got the Aikman Triangle right here. Hillary Clinton carried this next to Canton. And then there's, of course, there's Wooster. But 1876, it was a different story. Orville, this is a problem for Orville. This is a problem for Biden. Trump carries these North Lawrence down over here, to, up here to Canal Fulton. You're going to zoom in. You're going to zoom in and get up here to 9321 Triangle Circle. That's what they call it, right around Nickajack Farms. Everyone knows that Nickajack Farms has always been carried Trump ever since 1884 when he only won 42% of the vote. And Chuck Todd, more like Chuck God, according to one viewer. How the fuck does this weasel looking man know every single county in every single state? This man goes from state to state, naming the county, naming if it's fucking rural, if they like to eat fucking bananas. I don't fucking know. But he knows everything about every goddamn county. Who are you and why do you know all this? (laughs) I mean, it's true. It's true at this point. At this point, people are just repeating counties over and over again because there's nothing we can do but do that. I, it's incredible. And I do, I see myself retaining some of it. Like Maricopa, I know that's in Arizona. Yeah. Fulton, Uh I know that's in Georgia. Like we all (laughs) have geography degrees now. And I, fun fact, in undergrad studied geography. I studied cultural (laughs) geography and I did not know this before. So no, I think they should just play Chuck God doing election coverage to teach kids where Maricopa is in Arizona. Yeah, the repetition. You're you're absolutely correct. You know, like the next time someone's just going to say Arizona, I'm just going to go, ah, yes, Maricopa. The wonderful Maricopa. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a beautiful name. So shout out to Maricopa. Really holding us down in this democracy this cycle (laughs) really really learning a lot about her (laughs) and that's it for today join us tomorrow when maybe we'll have a winner in the presidential race or maybe not and remember ariana grande might go from licking donuts to president i don't know god donut gate what a time what a time all right so be sure to subscribe to news o'clock on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you go for your sound stories and please take the time to leave us a rating and a review it helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show and remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of news o'clock 
Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated millions of pairs. To sell and donate a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up, adding comfort innovations along the way. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate millions of pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And break us off with some bread because we waiting on reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. 